This episode of Clever is brought to you by Aquafil, makers of Econil, a regenerated nylon derived from 100% recycled waste. The material that we're looking for had to have a high performance, so we're not looking at a a consumer material. This is a high-performing engineering material, but we wanted it to come from a waste stream and looking at its reduced carbon footprint. Hi, everyone. I'm Amy Devers, and this is Clever. Today, I'm taking you on a deep dive into the process of innovation. Specifically, we're looking at the design and development of a truly remarkable chair, the NoHo Move Chair. Years in the making, this story includes a cross-continental collaboration between Kent Parker and Paul Wilkinson of the design studio Formway in New Zealand, and Italian synthetic materials producer Aquafil, led by Giulio Bonazzi. The NoHo Move Chair is not only a big step forward in the evolution of residential seating, addressing issues of health, movement, multifunction, and sustainability in monumental ways, but its very creation helped to push the boundaries and performance capabilities of the revolutionary material it's made from. If you've ever wondered about the backstory of your favorite furniture pieces, this episode will introduce you to just what it takes to bring a truly innovative chair to life. My name is Kent Parker. I'm the co-CEO and uh, project director at Formway Design in Wellington, New Zealand. My goal is to develop products that really add to the world and, and enrich the world, you know, both for the people in it and, and the planet we live on. My name is Paul Wilkinson. I'm also co-CEO of uh, Formway Design Studio here in Wellington, New Zealand. I guess I've always had a passion for engineering and technology and design and then a very strong passion about doing furniture. I am Giulio Bonazzi and I'm the chairman and CEO of Aquafil. Aquafil is a fiber producer of Italy and I am based in the beautiful city of Verona, which is also a city of, uh, of Italy. Let's go back before the beginning. <laughs> Paul and Kent, co-CEOs of Formway, what does Formway do and what is the sort of nature of your expertise? Can you kind of describe that for me? The studio and the team here have this higher goal of wanting to en- enrich people's lives. So, I mean, we, we are furniture designers, but we really want to do products that affect people's lives in a really positive way, whether that's in the function of the product or in the beauty of the product, but um, ideally both. And for us, we do the research and we design a product and, and then generally we collaborate with world-leading brands to bring these products to market. That's really important for us. The companies that we collaborate with have shared values and and really have the same ambition for the product and want to deliver these products to market in the way that that we do. And when we get that right, um, it generally leads to quite a successful outcome. I guess the other thing is that we did start as manufacturers many, many years ago. We've evolved to become a studio that's sort of recognised in our industry as a leader in the research and design of performance seating. So performance seating is our main product area. We've had many successful products and a lot of those with Knoll. Um, so the life chair, generation chair range, regeneration chairs, and, and these have been sold and distributed worldwide. Throughout that time, you know, the performance and the ergonomics of workplace seating has really evolved a long way. And that is to better support the dynamics of the human body. But, you know, what we 
we noticed was that residential furniture and particularly seating hasn't really changed. And Kent and I, you know, over the years have had these conversations about how setting in our homes is really not kept up with how our lives have changed and what we do do in our homes today. So, so for us, that was the opportunity for the Nohal Move Chair. You know, it was kind of relatively obvious to us and something we'd been thinking about a, for quite a long time. We actually got on and, and started to design it. And, and as well as creating the chair itself, it ultimately led as well to the establishment of the Nohal brand. And Nohal is a sister company of ours. It's a direct-to-consumer brand based here in New Zealand that set out to help people live healthily by creating life-enriching furniture, um, furniture that's beautiful, versatile, and built to last a lifetime. In fact, you know what we want, hope it does is, is redefine the design for people and also for the planet. Wow, those are big goals. <laughs> <laughs> Why don't you and I get together and evolve residential seating, make healthy furniture, and save the planet? Yeah. That sounds like a really good plan. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I mean, I'd love to know when you embark on such an endeavor like that, how did you identify what the goals were for the project? And then how did that research and development process get underway? Clearly, you had a skill set with, with workplace seating and task chairs. And it sounds like you had a goal to support healthy movement in the residential seating category, too. So how did you define what your goals were and what area of residential seating you were going to start to work through? Yes, yeah, so that's a good question. We had a sort of a hypothesis of what we wanted in our homes and we talked about it quite a bit to make sure we didn't just produce products to please ourselves. We we do step back and do quite a lot of research. It might be um, voice of the customer work or questionnaires or and in, in different markets as well. But we began really looking at what people were actually doing in their homes. You know, this might be from apartment living in, in big cities around the world or country homes. The research technique that really worked for us on this project was video observation. So believe it or not, people let us set up cameras in their homes and we did you know a lot of hours of, of video research of what people were actually doing in those homes and identifying what activities are undertaken and for how long. So this research really identified this kitchen dining space. We want to come up for a new, with a new name for this space, but it, this space is this place where we collaborate the most. You know, it's a multifunctional space in our homes. It's where we'll we'll have an evening meal, where we occasionally hold a dinner party, but actually proportionally in time, it's where we do a lot of other things like home office work or kids are doing homework or we're doing crafts. Um, this is a place where we congregate regularly and we share and we tell stories. Yeah, it's sort of the heartbeat of the home, that area. And you're, you're so right that like dining is only one aspect of what happens. Usually it's homework, crafts, projects, meetings. Yeah, it, it's everything now. And so it has to function in that way. That's right. And there's lots of opportunities for us to make that space more usable and, and more intuitive, you know, so that we can better do the tasks that we're undertaking. But I guess for us in the in the seating area, the thing we could do is produce a chair that supported the body for those activities. So movement is key for that. Um, it's also key for health and wellbeing. So if we're going to sit down and do two hours of work at our laptop in the evening, you better be well supported for that. Obviously, comfort's key to that as well. And on top of that, 
one of the things we're here to talk about today is environmental considerations. And this is something that has been key to our studio for a long time, but also came out of that same research through talking to our customers and looking at how people are living their lives and choosing their products. It really did show that, that people are looking for really genuine holistic solutions. You know, they're quite frustrated with greenwash that's been put over products out there, you know, and that's something we really wanted to challenge. We took all of this um, and created a brief. We have documents that are really detailed um, that dive down into every part of, of the product, but they do very accurately describe the opportunity we're trying to fulfil and they have clear design drivers. And off the back of those, we then move into our next phase of work. So we have three phases of work we call discover, design and deliver. Each of those phases, we spend an equal amount of time, which is kind of rare in a design studio. We give ourselves the opportunity to do a hang of a lot of research uh, and, as we said, to really understand the unmet need. So then having done our research, we do go into design again in, in a deep way. We literally spend thousands of hours building and experimenting with working prototypes, testing with user groups and stakeholder groups. Uh, until we're satisfied with the the prototype that we've built. And those prototypes are both aesthetic and functional so that we're happy with how things work, both aesthetically, performance and durability-wise. One of the things that was challenging for us was that having identified the residential, you know, we wanted to do something in the residential market. We wanted to deliver performance and ergonomics of that, that was in sophisticated workplace setting that clearly we understood well, having done it for a long time, into an object that was suitable for the home, something that was desirable uh, and appropriate for that environment and appropriate for the customer group we were targeting. One of the first things we did when we started this project, we took our work chairs, our task chairs that we've got here in the studio, we took them, we gave them to people and, and everyone in the studio sort of took them home, put them around their own dining tables, their own home home environments. And to be clear, this was not a popular aesthetic for people. They really didn't, <laughs> didn't like having these very technical looking workplace chairs. But uh, what they found was that subconsciously people actually gravitated to them. So when you have guests over, they chose to sit in those rather than the static chairs. And for us, you know, that was a clear indication that we were doing something that was um, valuable to people. I think this is so interesting because I also felt a little antsy or anxious about the idea of a bunch of task chairs around my dining room table. First of all, I don't want to be reminded of work when I'm having what would be, you know, my connection time, emotionally resonant connection time with friends and family. And at the same time, I'm a huge believer that furniture can support interpersonal dynamics and it should, and it should be designed for that. So an uncomfortable chair doesn't make you want to linger and have a kind of long conversation about the deep questions of life if you're, you want to get out of your chair as soon as possible. I also think children that grow up around these chairs are going to have memories attached to them. They have to speak a certain language. If they're too functional, then you make productivity a thing that happens at the dining table. And that's maybe the place where it shouldn't be. Absolutely, totally agree. I mean, it's part of creating the atmosphere in that environment, and that environment is a is a loving, sharing, caring, nurturing environment. So it should reflect your personality and what, what you value. So it shouldn't be something that tells you how to live your life. It should just be there and support how you want to live your life. We have a philosophy of subconscious seating. So seating really, you know, it's like a good shoe. If, if it fits and it works well, it should be in the background of what you're doing, not be trying to lead what you're doing. 
we succeed when people just use the product and don't think about it. Yeah, I'm fully on board at this point. This is a big job, though. In order for a chair to include all of this performance to support the healthy movement that's needed for all of these different activities, to also be beautiful enough that people keep them around for a really long time, because that's the best way to be sustainable is just don't throw it away right, right. away. <laughs> don't replace it. And so it needs to function. It needs to look beautiful. And it also needs to actually be made in a way that is not extractive, but is generative. So that material that you needed to find also had to perform. What does that material look like? How did you define what kind of material you were going to make this chair out of? That is a big question as well. But first and foremost, what you just said is right. For us, it has to be a very durable product. And that it is a very long journey to get it tested. You know, we have to choose a material that will give us the performance we need and the durability um, on top of all that environmental performance. So it is challenging and it's something that we've been doing for a long time. For the last 20 years, we've been looking for new materials and it's a key part of our product development. And we are continuously looking for those new materials uh, as technology changes. And those new materials can lead to new product performance and a lot of our products have different performance from, from other chairs in the market. And it's really important to us that key to that is a better environmental performance. Back when we did the live chair, and, and we're talking around 2000 when we were designing that chair, the live chair stands for light, intuitive, flexible and environmental. And, and at that time, you know, we won awards for the live chair for its environmental performance at that time, because that was when we started looking really at the total life cycle of the product. So that's not just the materials used, but where they, where they come from, how they're manufactured, where they, how they're delivered, where they're delivered, and then the end of life cycle as well. So with each new product, we endeavour to reduce our impact on the planet. For the Nohal Move Chair, we carried along on this journey, but we wanted to take quite a big step. And we did look at all parts of the chair. So that includes, like you've already talked about, um, durability. But we looked at reducing the number of components in the chair. We looked at making sure that every part that we put in the chair does as much what we call work as possible or is doing something of value in the product. And then we reduced the quantity of the material in each part of of the product. And the material that we're looking for had to have a high performance. So we're not looking at a a consumer material. This is a high-performing engineering material, but we wanted it to come from a waste stream. That was key to us and looking at uh, its reduced carbon footprint as well. I'm happy to hear that this is the backbone of your practice. As a somebody who teaches design, I think that's something that all designers need to incorporate into the way that they operate. But I understand it's a project and it's ongoing. And it sounds like always searching for new materials is something that both of you are actively engaged in. That's a good segue now to talk to Julio and to learn more about Aquafil and the material produced at Aquafil called Econil. Julio, can you talk to me about Econil? I'd love to hear the story. Yes, Econil actually was born uh, as a nylon fiber. Uh, Aquafil is the largest nylon fiber producer in Europe and among the 10 top largest in the world. And Econil, what has of difference with the other fiber or nylon polymers, that instead of using oil derivatives, so fossil fuels, it comes entirely from waste. Waste that sometimes are particularly ugly, like fishing nets or old carpets or plastic scraps and fabric trims and stuff like that. But 100% waste, so no new resources from the planet. And on top of that is 
using a system of recycling which is infinite, so can be applied an infinite number of times. You give me back your old nylon carpet and I can give you the fabric to make a swimsuit. You give me back your swimsuit and I can give you the pallet to make a beautiful chair, like the move uh, chair of uh, Noho. So it's a material that doesn't give any limitation to designers or to engineers, doesn't take new resources, can be recycled an infinite number of times, and this with 90% less CO2 emissions in comparison with a conventional fossil fuel nylon. Well, I believe that uh, this is not bad. <laughs> oh, this is great. <laughs> so I just want to make sure I'm understanding. Econil is essentially as good as virgin nylon in terms of what you can do with it, but it's entirely made from waste. So the process of making it, including having reduced emissions, is also kind of cleaning the planet, right? You're You're scooping up wasted fishing nets from the ocean and old carpet and turning it into a, a product, what is Econil primarily used to make? It is exactly what is happening, uh, that instead of dumping end-of-life products uh, in, into landfills or even worse, into the oceans, uh, we take them back, we disassemble, we extract the nylon, and then we reproduce a new nylon. Well, Econil before uh, Formway and Noho was primarily used for fashion and carpet flooring. Fashion, I mean, uh, the most famous fashion designers in Italy, Europe, and in the world are using, are using Econil, like, for example, Prada, Gucci, Stella McCartney, Barbary, and many, many others. In the flooring industry, the most important carpet producers are using Econil, like Interface and Millican, and uh, let's say in Japan, in Europe, uh, and even in New Zealand. Being nylon, nylon is a highly performing material, can be used for many different end uses. We are even using Econil for 3D printing application. Times it happens uh, that uh, someone steps into your booth, as it happened with uh, our friends of uh, NoHo, and they ask you for something that you had not done before. Ooh. So yeah, how did that go? How did you all meet? And when they asked you for something you haven't done before, Julio, did that feel like a dare? <laughs> well, actually, it was some years ago. Uh, we were in Chicago at Neocon. So the story really began uh, in the same place where this year it continued. And they stepped into the booth. We are having uh, an exposition uh, uh, that is a permanent exposition in uh, the Mart in, uh, in Chicago. And they asked whether we were ready to develop Econil also for home products and especially for chair. I was not expecting such a challenging project, but I was lucky to have been given the opportunity of developing this uh, incredible product. It took some time. They can for sure explain the kind of difficulties they have uh, challenged us with. But at the end, I believe that uh, we have really made uh, an outstanding uh, work. We initially started looking for materials that could deliver the environmental credentials that we were hoping to achieve with this product, really reducing the effect of this product on the planet. And um, we've, we came across Aquifu and the Econol story. And I remember um, myself and Paul and a number of other and others in the team here listening to a video presentation online by Julia, and we were just inspired by the story and, you know, the technology that had been developed to repolymerize this nylon. And so when we were at Neocon, we uh, went on the stand and, and Julia was there and the conversation started. And again, 
we were inspired by his enthusiasm for what we were wanting to do. So I think that was just a really important relationship that was struck up to develop the product using the Econol Nylon. So you fell in love with the story, and then you went to meet Julio, and together you figured out what? What had to happen to Econel to make it become the performance material you were needing? Julio made introductions to the design team here, and we started on you know regular meetings with engineers and the chemists that are in the team there, and it culminated in Aquafil producing specific formulations for us to trial and testing tooling that we'd developed here in New Zealand. Um, so we got samples of materials, moulded them, did a whole lot of testing on those. These sort of developments are never easy when you're trying to use uh, material in a new way. And this is not a simple product to mould. So not only was it the first product using this material, it was, a, it was trying to jump in at the deep end and do a very complicated product. So we had challenges for sure. And it was that sort of commitment that Aquafil and, and, and Julio's team had um, with people coming out to help resolve issues with the, the moulding of the parts, you know, that really made sure that this, this came through. So it was, it was pretty important. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm hearing you and understanding that Formway had a really vested interest in working with a material that could deliver on the sustainability that was so important. And Aquafil is doing what you need to do, but in order to get to that performance level for furniture, it requires a lot of new chemistry, a lot of new tooling, a lot of back and forth, a lot of trial and error. Like a lot of that does take commitment. It's a real relationship between Aquafil and Formway that you both are invested in this working out. How did that relationship work together? And what was the dance like? And did you feel committed to and supported the whole time? Very much so. We were committed and Aquafil always um, showed commitment when we were having challenges. I mean, the product was pushing boundaries of using any engineering polymer. We were pushing the boundaries for the, the flexibility and the durability of the product. I mean, you, you couldn't produce this product without a polymer base to it. It couldn't be made of steel or wood or anything else. The material was delivering the performance we wanted, but we were pushing the boundaries and then doing that with a material that had primarily been used for fibre production before. Um, although it has all those engineering properties, it was hard to know whether we were having challenges with the design which we definitely were, or um, we were having challenges with the material. And as you say, it was a bit of a dance getting that, that to work, and it took quite some time. If I may, what they asked us from, from a certain standpoint was really pushing the boundaries. But Acafil is a large producer of polymer that is normally used for fiber. And we really had to work together with them, understanding as much as possible what they wanted to make in order to develop a special chemical formulation for this product. And thanks to their support, and of course to the support of the molder, we finally arrived to something that is really performing well. And it is so performing well that I tell you this, when I went to visit them in Wellington, New Zealand, after something like 24 hours flight, because if you dig a hole from Italy and you cross the planet, you reach New Zealand, so it's really on the other side of the planet. <laughs> like 10 or 12 hours time difference, they let me sit more than three hours on the chair. And I tell you that it was so comfortable 
that it's a phenomenal product. And I'm not <laughs> kidding. This is actually what happened. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I love that story, Julio. And I think this is such a beautiful example of how real innovation can't happen without the full buy-in from all industries, essentially. Like People can design really innovative products, but without an innovative material, it, it can't really go that far. And so with a material manufacturer who's also really interested in sustainable outcome and innovating with their polymer, the two of you can get together and make real magic. And it sounds like, you know, Julio, after <laughs> making the trek to New Zealand, was able to confirm for himself <laughs> that his product was being put to good use. So that, that must have felt really good. As Julio mentioned, the chair is it's real. It's out in the world. And not only is it out in the world, but it's garnering a pretty phenomenal reaction, not only from Julio, but it just won a couple of awards at Neocon. Can you tell me about that? And, you know, we've been talking a lot about this chair and how comfortable it is and its performance, but can you kind of get into the nitty gritty of just what it does and what it looks like? Sure, we'd love to. And yeah, we're really proud to have won the, the gold awards at, at Neocon. While it's not what we designed the chair, to, you know, we don't design to win awards, but it's really nice to be recognised that people think we've done something that's truly innovative, which is, you know, what we think about the Noho Move chair. As Julio said, for us, it was about providing new levels of flexible dynamic seating, which is really important. Again, coming back to that, you know, the opportunity and what we're trying to do, which is supporting that broad range of activities. And for us, that's about not staying still, it's about keeping moving, about being healthy and ensuring your, your well-being is being taken care of. So people out there are going to get the opportunity to sit in the chair because that's the way, you know, to really experience the chair is to, is to sit in it. I'll have a crack at describing what it does. It has three key elements that provide movement. So the first is it actually has a what we call a fluid rocking motion. So the chair moves with you. It's not what you call a rocking chair. You know how a rocking chair is quite it moves you a long way. This is quite a subtle thing, but it has a, a rocking that subtly moves you. And what that does is it, it activates your muscles and that helps reduce the effects of static loading. And this, this, this movement also allows you to take what is called a forward active posture. So that's, you know, when you lean into the table, whether you're, you're eating or particularly happens when you're talking to someone to show that you're interested in the conversation, you lean forward. Uh, or when you're writing or whether you're working on a laptop, and it's a really, really common posture. And by the, the chair moving with you and coming forward, uh, it reduces under thigh pressures, it promotes blood flow and reduces those common issues associated with sitting that you're talking about in a static product. You know how after a long time you really get uncomfortable and that's through this pressures and, and restricting blood flow. The second element in the chair is uh, the shell itself or the seated surface. It's a really a dynamic back shape and, and it also changes to your body shape. It changes as you sit in the chair. It changes as you recline in the chair. It allows your spine to extend. It allows you to flex backwards, also increasing blood flow and helping the lubrication of your intervertebral disc. So, you know, movement in all parts of the chair is key. And then the compliant shell itself is is quite unique and, and to see it in the flesh is what you need to do because it's quite a detailed thing. It is very compliant. It moves in a different way. It has pattern to it that's uh, auxetic, which means that I won't get into the details of that, but we find it really fascinating. It means that a pattern shell can move in a different way. And what that allows the shell to do, which is a single part, it ties all of these things into one dynamic movement that supports you as you move from one posture to the next and giving you comfort through all of that. 
And, and please, Amy, don't forget, it's beautiful. Because if, <laughs> yeah. it, if it was not beautiful, they would have not won the prize at Miracle, <laughs> believe me, you know. I've seen photos, and I, I encourage all of our listeners to go look for it as well. Um, we'll include links. It is. It's gorgeous. It, there's a breathability to it that I'm also interested in, because the shell is one piece, but it's not solid. Yeah, I think that's one of the additional benefits of the pattern is that it creates air pockets in the surface and obviously uh, and, and breathes through the product. The great thing about that is if it was a solid uh, mass of material, it has more of a cold shock when you sit in it. I guess it's it's about trying to make those materials as evenly balanced with the body temperature as, as possible. So there's, there's a real benefit to that. In hot environments, it obviously breathes in cool environments, it, it captures the air in those pockets and tries to balance that temperature out. I think the one thing that we've, you know, we've had really positive uh, customer feedback, as you say, that's in the market. With this world that we're living in at the moment, where a lot of people are having to work from home, it, it has naturally been appealing to those people that are working from home. So people have been buying it for a, as a work from home product. Of course, it can cater for this, but it was really designed for that sort of collaborative space around the dining table and we're excited to see that that evolve as well into more of a a dining product or a that multi-activity area product that we designed it for so it's an exciting time to to um, have brought this product into the market you know coming back to the material you know you can't undersell the importance of the impact on the planet and the fact that you know, this excellent aquifer material has really given that opportunity to create a product that is so much more valuable in the way it moves, the way it looks, but also how, it's, how, how healthy it is for our environment. Right. No, that's incredibly important. If you had designed a, a chair that performs this well in a material that wasn't as sustainable, it wouldn't have the soul that it has. And so it is with a good conscience that anyone can participate in in sitting in this magical chair. And I'm wondering, the three of you have come through so much together in terms of really wrangling all of this into a successful product. Do you have any hindsight when you're looking back on the, the pros and cons and the challenges and the ground that you broke together? Were there any real moments of magic, any elation or euphoria or <laughs> blood, sweat and tears? <laughs> I think there was, a, there was a lot of all of that. Um, you, know, but, <laughs> you know, with a project of this scale and this duration, there's lots of moments, highs and lows, you know, and there are, I would say, magical moments along the way. One was when we, we built those first works-like and looks-like prototypes and put them in front of our stakeholders and some of the user trialers and in front of our investors, and we all agreed that this is something we really want to do. Another one was finding the materials, finding Aquafil and, and the Econol product and, and knowing that we can that they were so excited about doing this product with us. We were super excited when we got the first parts of tools so you know there's massive tools that we invest in and to produce the chair 
the first parts come off and you put those first chairs together and, and you get the inkling that you might be doing something that's working because <laughs> it's, it's a bit of a frightening time as well. <laughs> yes. And obviously launching Nohal, the Nohal brand in the US and getting those first products into the market was, was incredibly satisfying. So I mean, we've got a long way to go and we've got lots of things we can, we can continue to develop. I guess the one thing we can say for sure is that it's the, the partnerships, you know, the partnership with um, Econol and Aquafil and, and Nohal that really brought this product to, to the market um, and obviously the manufacturers that have been involved in the project as well. Well, I love the um, the poetry in that because it's the collaboration and the partnership that you're encouraging with this furniture. And so to know that it's in the DNA of the furniture is also very important. And, and Julio, I, you know, after working so hard to develop a polymer that is completely made from waste and yet performs as virgin nylon does, it must open up entire worlds if you can move into um, not just fiber-based Yes, very, very, because, of course, the design industry is so incredibly, you know, beautiful in terms of uh, uh, possibilities and uh, different products that you can develop. We are all very, very excited, uh, you know. So uh, for me, my magic moment was when I saw the chair for the first time and I tested it. Now, hopefully, I will see also many other products uh, that uh, may be developed with, uh, with the same creativity and uh, techniques uh, that uh, really make uh, products for uh, for home or for uh, the office business uh, so incredibly performing. Well, this sounds like a long-term relationship. This sounds like it, it really has some, some staying power. I hope so. And I'm really looking forward to see them coming to Europe and possibly, you know, helping them to sell uh, their beautiful chair into the European market. Yeah, now it's your turn to get on that airplane and travel <laughs> to the other side of the planet. <laughs> Absolutely. We, we're really looking forward to doing that again. It's been a while. We've been in, a, in our own little bubble down here for quite some time. Yeah, I can imagine that you want to evade, you know, to escape. <laughs> yeah, Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Particularly to Italy, it's such a beautiful country. Well, I want to thank all of you for sh for sharing with me the origin story of this truly innovative product. The Noho Move Chair is beautiful. It sounds amazingly comfortable and really forward thinking. I don't want to say it's timeless because we don't know yet, but it sounds like baked into its DNA, it has everything it needs to become a, a timeless feature family member in people's lives. And so thank you for that. Thank you for the story. Thank you. I hope it does. Thanks very much for having us and letting us share the story. Thank you, Amy. Thanks for listening. To see images of the NoHo Move Chair and this dynamic team, read the show notes. Click the link in the details of this episode on your podcast app or go to cleverpodcast.com where you can also sign up for our newsletter. We would love it if you would subscribe to Clever on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you would please do us a favor and rate and review, it really does help us out. We also love chatting with you on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. You can find us at Clever Podcast, and you can find me at Amy Devers. Clever is produced by 2VDE Media, with editing by Rich Straffolino, production assistance from Ilana Nevins and Anushka Stefan, and music by L1011. 